Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I signed, I was actually eight and a half months pregnant with Charlie. Celebrate on a real high end my career in the best way possible. I said, what, the one that does all the ones that you see on social media? I said, yeah, the famous one. Hello, you're listening to the Say It and Spray It podcast. Joining me, as always, the CEO of Merwell's, the man with the cans, Mark Silver. How you doing, mate? All right. I'm good. How are you, Justin? Very good, mate. Very good. So we're speaking to today a woman footballer who plays for my team or my club, Watford Football Club, Helen Ward. Very exciting because it's the first female footballer we've had on, isn't it? Yeah, it is the first female football player. It's not the first female. Shauna was the first one on here. Uh, yep. Shauna Brown, England Rugby. But absolutely brilliant to have a female football player on here. Helen has achieved great things at Watford Football Club and for her country, Wales, as well. So to have an international player on here is very exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, let's dive straight in and hear from Helen. Hello, Helen. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. How are you? Not bad at all, not bad at all. So, ex-Watford captain, I say that because you're now retired, that's right? That is right, yeah. It sounds strange calling myself a former footballer former footballer these days. Um, but I had a good innings, 22 years at senior level, plus, you know, however many before that as a, as a kid. I've had a great time, really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's, it's actually quite refreshing. Everyone keeps asking me how retirement's going and I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm having a lovely time. Keeping myself reasonably fit in my own time and in my own way. Um, it's just nice to have that sort of freedom around it. And I think it will be a bit more difficult once games start and, and I'm missing out on that sort of match day buzz and the sort of things that come with, you can only have as a player. Um, I'm sure that will sort of choke me up a little bit, but I'm, I'm content with my decision. It's the right time. For, for me and, and my family and yeah I'm enjoying a, a different perspective on it I've just done a, a coaching course on the B licence last week and that was a bit different so I'm starting to focus on, on different things now and yeah it's uh, exciting times What would have been your only club? No so I, I started at Watford as a kid I was there from kind of 8 to I think it was 21, 22 and then I went to Arsenal for a season and a half then I spent three years at Chelsea had my daughter after that and then I had two full seasons at Reading. I can't remember if it was two or three at Reading. Then I had my son. And then I came back to Watford in the summer of 2017. So I was at, when I signed, I was actually eight and a half months pregnant with Charlie. 
um, but they still took me, which was nice. Um, and they've looked after me ever since. So, yeah, the last sort of six years I've, I've been at Watford, back at Watford, which was a really nice way to sort of complete the full circle for my career. I've often um, wondered how pregnancies kind of uh, fit in around women footballers. How, how does it work? Is it, I mean, literally you just say, you know, I'm pregnant or whatever, and then the maternity <laughs> leave at any other job or? Uh, well, it's changed a bit now. So when I, when I had the kids so Emily Emily's coming up to nine and Charlie's coming up to six as I said and even as recently as six years loads has changed in the meantime so I was under contract or I just signed a contract for Reading when I fell pregnant with with Emily and I sort of said to the manager that this is this is a situation like I'm I'm sorry but I'm, I'm not going to be able to play this season so we kind of mutually agreed to terminate it, it allowed her to go and sign someone new because a lot of the time at this point contracts were only a year in length anyway so th- there was no real problem with with me disappearing for a year and then it was kind of a sportsman's agreement if you like that once I'd had Emily I'd come back and you know be part of the team and thankfully that that worked out although the the manager did change she moved on to be the Welsh manager um, and her assistant took over but there was a place for me still at Reading which was good actually with Charlie I fell pregnant between clubs so I'd left Reading already then I fell pregnant and then as I said I, I signed for Watford right towards the end of that pregnancy but now there's much more around it because the game sort of gone professional in the top league and a lot of the championship now there's um a maternity policy where players get a minimum i think of 14 weeks maternity leave obviously in football it's very different to a regular job because if i'm if i'm in an office i work right up until i'm about to give birth whereas in football you, you can't technically work after three months really you can't com- really compete in games you can still train and you can do sort of non-contact stuff so you're still going into work but then there's a 14 week period where you're allowed to have maternity and obviously you don't have to show your face at training and games and stuff um coming back from that and how long that takes obviously varies from person to person and pregnancy to pregnancy some some people are back within a couple of months some people you know Alex Morgan who plays for the US team it took her I think just over a year after having her daughter so it varies and I think different clubs would have different policies and different ways of handling it but there are at least now certain regulations that that protect the player and I think some clubs probably do it better than others in terms of how they really look after them. I know Chelsea, uh, they've got a German international. She was allowed to go home for the majority of her pregnancy. So she went home to Germany and they, you know, did her work and training and stuff at home. And then she's come back um, now and, and she's absolutely flying for them. So, yeah, it very much varies on, on club to club. But there are a certain certain rules that, that everybody has to adhere to now, which is great because there, there was no such thing, obviously, even as I said, as recently as six years ago. You said that... You're content, Helen, with like, you said it's the right time now. I guess your mm-hmm. body's telling you that. But is there an yeah. element of frustration like that the, where the game is now? I mean, obviously, even in the last year, obviously, since the mm. women, English women won the Euros, the game's just changed massively in this country. Of course, other countries, it's kind of either yeah. ahead or behind. But is there a sort of element of where it's going and where it's going to be? But I guess you can't control everything, right? A little bit. You know, people quite often will ask me, you know, whether it's in a Q&A podcast, do you wish you were 10, 15 years younger or do you wish your career was just starting now? And the honest answer is no, because I, I got, I'm obviously used to playing part time and combining it with work. And for the most part of my career, that's what I did. And I don't know that my journey would have been as enjoyable if I'd have had the pressure of trying to get a contract at 16 or 18 or or whatever it is. And I kind of just went along for the ride 
to start with. I played because I loved it. And I don't know if it then becomes a job. Does that, you know, for me, would it have tainted my enjoyment of the game? Would it have given me less gratitude for them, what I did get to do and the places I saw and the things I experienced? As I said at the start, I've had a, I've had a whale of a time in my career. I, I can't complain. Yes, there's been ups and downs, of course, there is in any any footballer's career. Hand on heart, there's not a part of me that wishes I was 18 and going into full-time football because I just don't know that that would have suited me. I think it's unbelievable now that the girls have got that and they can aspire to be a professional footballer. I think that's incredible. But for me as a person, I'm delighted with how my career and how my and subsequently how my life has gone, you know, combining all different areas of my life with football. I, I honestly don't think I'd want it to be any other way. But what I am excited about is where the game is now and the different sort of roles I can now have within it, which if I was coming out of the game when I started, it, I wouldn't have had those opportunities. So things like this, talking about it on a podcast, doing commentary on the TV, doing a bit of writing about it, the different roles within football now, you know, not just the women's game, but women in, in, in all levels of football, like that wasn't a thing. So that's what excites me now is the influence I can still have potentially, you know, away from the playing side. And that, that you know, for me, that, that suits perfectly. But yeah, I, I don't wish that I was starting my career now at all. Um, but I'm delighted for the players that do have those opportunities because it, it must be amazing for them. Let's have a chat about your international career because you played for Wales, didn't you? I did, yeah, and I loved every minute of it. I didn't make my debut till I was 22. Sort of didn't realise I was Welsh, if you like, until then. <laughs> um, honestly, the best best decision, best football decision I ever made. The way I was welcomed in right from the start and you know how patriotic Welsh people are and as an English person going in there, it was a bit daunting but from the minute I stepped into the the sort of team environment I just I felt loved and you know that's only gone and got my my passion then for Wales has just grown and grown I consider myself as Welsh and you know much to my husband's not disgust but he always tells me I'm not really Welsh but I honestly I feel I feel Welsh I feel part of the culture the family the the country you know it's it's an amazing place first and foremost the people are incredible and yeah that's been a huge huge part of my my footballing experience and my career and some of the friends I've made playing for Wales and and to imagine to have done it over a hundred times, I never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I would have got, got over that line. Particularly, as I said, I didn't make my debut till I was twenty-two, and I've had two kids in the middle of that as well. Like I'm so proud of the fact that I managed to get to one hundred and five, and wasn't always easy in the last few years, but but I got there in the end. And at the moment, I'm still clinging to that record of goals. So yeah, that's I can't help but smile when I talk about Wales and and the time I had with the team. Is that genuine when you didn't know that you was Welsh? Did you have to look and see how you can find? <laughs> Well, I knew my mum's, yeah, I knew my mum's family were, like, she grew up in Bristol, but I knew that that her parents both had Welsh in them. Again, when I was a kid, I didn't really hear about any international football, even the idea of playing for England. There was nothing on the TV. I didn't sort of think about anything beyond what I was doing at that point. And it was only, I was involved in England at under 23 level for maybe a year and a bit never really enjoyed it much didn't feel I fitted in and it was an off chance conversation with with a Watford coach at the time who happened to be the assistant manager for Wales as well and he sort of said you know do you have any Welsh heritage and if you do would you consider it and I thought well do you know what my my grandparents my mum's parents were both Welsh and I sort of thought about it and weighed it up had a teammate at Watford at the time who'd also made that that sort of jump maybe six months earlier and she said honestly it's the best thing you'll do and she was right and yeah I've got a lot to thank Sally Wade for because she was the one that sort of tempted me over the thing that (laughs) the thing that swung it though was um she just played 
in a European qualifier against Germany. And I think it was their goalkeeper's last appearance. She was retiring, so it was a massive crowd, 20-odd thousand, which was, you know, that's huge now, but it was ridiculously big back then. Um, it was the last game of the campaign, big crowd, really enjoyable. Um, and then they had a team night out on the karaoke and shit. It was one of the best nights she's ever had. And I thought, Do you know what, you've, you've won me over, I'm in. <laughs> Sod the football, I'm, I'm in for the... I'm in Car- for the karaoke beer. is what got you to play for Wales. I yeah. love it. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I, that was sort of the turning point in my career, really, in terms of how I saw myself as now a footballer rather than just Helen who plays football. It became a little bit more serious, and you know, international football is a, a different level. So yeah, really off the cuff conversation, but my God, am I glad that that it happened and and it worked out how it did? Can we ask what your karaoke song of choice is? So I never actually got round to doing karaoke oh, the team, which is after all that. In fifteen years, I've still not done karaoke. I reckon I'd go big like a Whitney number. Really? Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Why not? You're going to go high. Yeah. Hit the high notes. Yes. I don't know. I'd, 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 you know, this is on the assumption that I might have had a drink or two. So I'd, yeah, I probably would. That's <laughs> about saying, yeah, of course. Yeah, that yeah, or a Bruno yeah. Mars. Quite different, but one of those two. I know quite a lot of Bruno Mars songs, the words to them. So wow. something like that. Yeah. Excellent. Is that, is that the music in the dressing room then? I've, I've nothing to do with the music, no. Oh. No, that's not on me. They, they put all new stuff on that I've got no idea what they're saying or what it's going on. <laughs> So, no, I'm not in charge of music. But, um, that's, that's probably one of the other reasons when you realise it's time, isn't it, to move on when the music gets to you. When a song comes on and you think, what on earth is this? Yeah. Or you suggest a song and nobody knows what you're talking about. That's the one. This is, I'm going to clarify, like I'll back myself on my brownie baking skills. I will not back myself on my singing. Well, you've mentioned the brownies. So for anybody that is <laughs> uh, is not aware, uh, there was a, a podcast that Helen and I did, oh, it must be over two years ago now. And um, we were talking talking about what the uh, the women's team got up to during lockdown um, and one of the questions yeah. that came in from a listener was who who bakes the best brownies and uh, it ended up with you assuring us that we'd be able to sample your brownies at some point and two years on and despite sort of various nagging and, and doorstepping you in Listen, interviews it's a, <laughs> it's a process these brownies you can't just whip them is up like it? that is that right know? wow the these timing are good. the Got to get, got to get it right. Think how much more practice Helen's had in them two years of making brownies, which means they're going to be even better when you do get them. The best, aren't they? Yeah. Valid point. (laughs) Now, as a retired footballer, maybe I have more time. But one day you'll come on and you'll speak on on this podcast or another one, and you'll say, "Do you know what? She was right." They're amazing. I I really look forward to that. I genuinely look forward to that. And as I say, love the positivity. Yeah, we may have to do a bake off. We'll talk about that when we're finished. That sounds like a good idea. So, so last season for Watford was a a really interesting season, wasn't it? It was uh, one of those ones that ended on a real high note. Talk us, talk us through last season a little bit. Obviously, we got relegated a year ago uh, from the Championship, which was obviously devastating for everyone involved. We regrouped, got some new staff in, kept a core of players, but added some really good characters and really good players to the group. And the vision was always to to win promotion. Obviously, with the, the structure of the, the pyramid and the way it works is that it's not an easy process. Is one thing you have to win the league. And then until this season coming up, you have to win a playoff as well against your northern counterparts. Um, so we, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but that, that was our, our target all along was win the league, and then win a playoff and get promoted. And we started the season pretty well, had a couple of sort of little setbacks, but we always believed in ourselves and produced pretty good results and performances throughout. But it got very tight towards the end and it was a three-horse race. Um, we lost to Ipswich back in, I think it was February, March time. And that kind of put us a little bit behind Oxford 
in in the race for the title. They had a, they had a great season themselves. That result also helped Ipswich keep themselves in the picture. We had a sort of a similar, a very similar record in terms of wins and losses and all that kind of stuff. So we were neck and neck. Then we had a big big game at Vicarage Road um, at the end of April against Oxford, knowing that we had to win to have any chance, which we did. We won 2-1 um, on a really, really great night. Over a 1,000 fans came in to watch, which was amazing. Also, when I first caught eyes of, of myself on the wall that night, but we can talk about that later. Uh, okay. Um, and then that set up a final day where we had Billericay away. Ipswich and Oxford actually played each other on the final day. If Oxford won, they were champions. Nothing anyone could do about it. If Ipswich won and we lost, they would be champions. If Ipswich won or drew and we won, we'd be champions. So there were so many different things in the game as it happened our game went pretty well we had a 3-0 lead at half time so we sort of we did our bit we didn't have any phones or anything around the bench or you know amongst the staff to to keep an eye on what was going on because it was out of our control and we didn't want to sort of get get sidetracked by what what was going on up in Ipswich but um partway through the second half there was a big cheer from our group of fans who had come along to watch and shout out to them by the way loads of them came along to Billericay at the start of May to to support us that day the big cheer and we kind of knew what that meant all of a sudden your heart starts going you think well this is actually this could happen I think we had about five ten minutes left in our game I don't know why we'd been delayed but for some reason we had a little bit of time left the crowd went again big cheer singing we're going up so we knew the game had finished we were three nil up and it was like like, wow, this is exciting. We had a premature celebration. The ref blew the whistle for an offside and all the girls ran on the pitch <laughs> a little bit too early. So they had to get back off and then we had the real moment after that. So that was that was incredible just to be able to, regardless of the playoff at that point, we'd, we'd achieved our objective of, of winning the league. And as a captain, knowing it was my final season, it was a bit strange going into that game. So I was like, well, it could be my last ever game, but it might not if things go well because we'd have the playoff final. But it was that was a great feeling. I had a really good night out and then and two weeks later, we had the playoff final against Nottingham Forest, who had actually beaten us in the league final back in April, 3-2. So we knew they were a good side. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. They'd won their league on goal difference as well, which is what we'd done. So it was really intense, tight sort of finish to the season on both sides. And then, yeah, we managed to sneak that 1-1-0 in the final. And as I say, the rest is history. Got to lift another trophy celebrate on a real high end my career in the best way possible in terms of club football and yeah it was fantastic like from start to finish the girls were were great all season um picked each other up when we were down and got the job done and it was just a a really special group and you know I've played in the WSL I've played in the championship this was obviously the national league but it's hand on heart one of my most enjoyable seasons as a player not just for the football but possibly because I knew it was my last one as well um I don't know but everything just seemed to come together and you, you don't get that often in life where it all turns out exactly how you'd you'd hoped it would so it was a a really special year and I'm obviously delighted with how my career ended in the had you made your decision to to end the career at the beginning of the season or is it saying that during the season you kind of realized I think I knew deep down that it was my last year all the way through I threatened retirement loads of times in the last few years my Wales roommate will tell you she's had to coax me out of it several times over yeah I kind of knew and then it was a game we had a we had another playoff final for Wales a world cup final a world cup playoff final sorry against Switzerland and we got beat in 
injury time of extra time. We lost 2-1, um, which meant we weren't going to the World Cup. And it was kind of that moment where I thought, you know what, I can't go on for another two-year sort of qualifying cycle for Wales. And if I'm not playing for Wales, never wanted to retire just from international football. I'm I'm all in. I'm either all in or not, you know, all or nothing. So once that had happened and I realised I wasn't going to play in a, in a major tournament, so a Euros or a World Cup, I kind of knew that, that that was it. And although I didn't announce it straight away, that was in October, I think, but that happened. I had a couple of months to think about it and chat to the guys at Watford, the Welsh guys, obviously family and friends. And yeah, I think around Christmas, I sort of set my, made my decision completely. And then I think I announced it March, early March, I announced it officially. And then, yeah, that was, that was kind of how it went. What's really funny is obviously when we were working on the mural, we didn't really know about, we didn't really have a set time as to when we're going to do it. And then obviously Mm -hmm. the big thing always is to get the reveal. So we wanted to, obviously Helen, tell us in a minute, it was a surprise. You didn't know anything about it. So we, we were working on it and it just so happened that on that day, someone come along and went, oh, you do realise the the women are playing here tonight at the stadium, which is obviously quite rare to be playing at the stadium. Brilliant. So obviously, is it is it opportunity to get Helen to come down? And at that point, that's when it's like, well, it's such a big game that it just depends on the result. Because if you guys lose that game, then you're not going to be in the mood to come and celebrate the mural, possibly. We had to really pray for that. And what I've done was uh, Mick Mowgli, one of our artists who who was on the job, knows nothing about football. He'll completely admit that. And um, he, was, he lives in Brighton, so he stayed down while he was working the job rather than go backwards and forwards. So I said, well, you're not doing anything tonight. Why don't you go and watch the game? So he, he sat there and watched the game. And obviously, if Helen's available to come down afterwards with the team, then you can uh, you can introduce yourself. So I said, just keep me updated how it's going. And I remember he sent me a message and he went, it's all great. They're winning 1-0. I went, oh, fantastic. And then I think a little while later, he messaged me, oh, it's, it's one all now. And then I don't remember what the exact situation was when he clocked on, but he went, oh, hang on a second. I think they were losing. <laughs> and <laughs> the yellow kit not give it away. This is how much he knows nothing about football. So a um, little bit of a Chris Kamara moment. <laughs> really, it all worked out for the best. The stars were aligned and obviously then uh, won the game and celebrations and this added to it. So I guess we can talk about the mural. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Interestingly, this mural's inside the ground, isn't it, Mark? So it's not one that you can see unless you are inside Vicarage Road. Or, or, of course, you can see it on social media, etc. Yeah, of course, we've done so many now that are outside of stadiums, uh, close to stadiums and on stadiums. But we've started doing a few inside because, obviously, inside these stadiums, there's a lot of just concrete walls that are crying out for some colour on it. And a lot of the clubs spend a lot of money every year changing them with vinyls and stuff like that. And it's like, well, why not celebrate some of our heroes and icons? And, you know, we've got a great relationship with with Watford Football Club and, and in particular, Richard Walker, who we speak to a lot. We got the call saying, that we want you to do 
some more work in the stadium. We'd already sort of sussed out some walls about some other projects in the past. We were asked if we could do Graham Taylor because obviously Graham Taylor is outside the stadium. Brilliant. But inside the Graham Taylor stand, it made perfect sense. And we was asked to paint a tribute for Helen as she announces a retirement. And I was so excited because, you know, to do something for a female player inside the, the stadium, which is obviously the men's stadium on a regular basis, I thought that was a really cool thing to do. So we were super excited by it. Started working on the concepts and the design for it. And we turned it around pretty quickly, but we had Helen's mural going up and Graham Taylor's going up at exactly the same time down the other end of the stand. Let's ask you, what, what do you think of your mural? Oh, it's unbelievable. Honestly, the, I had no idea, like not a hint of anything, like fair play to who all the people involved. Like, they didn't let on at all. And it was after the game, as you said, we, we were losing 1-0, um, came back to win 2-1. We just went into the change room. Everyone sort of finished celebrating on the pitch, gone into the change room, just sort of started starting to get changed and about to shower and things and the vice captain came and said oh hold on a sec girls don't get changed yet like chuck some shoes on trainers or whatever we've got to go somewhere and I'm thinking it's a Thursday night like it's gone 10 o'clock what is going on thinking the food we're not going you know you get food after games we're not going anywhere for that because why wouldn't we be able to shower anyway so we've come out the tunnel and, and the stand that it's in is opposite the dugout stand in the far corner so we've had to walk round the outside of the pitch and then into the concourse everyone sort of stood around and someone's gone do you know what we're here for I said I've got no idea not a clue and then Laura Dyer who is one of our coaches and and she was um the general manager as well she's gone oh hells can you step forward oh god what's going on what like what have I done then she said if you just go round that corner and as I've gone round there's like guys there with cameras and and whatever um and it must have been your mate as well stood there with a spray can and I, as i've turned around to the wall i was like whoa like, and you don't kind of appreciate how odd it is to see your face however many times the size on a big wall but no what i love so much about it is that the watford side of it of course is is incredible but that they've incorporated the welsh stuff as well which is which is great um because i think Everybody knows how much both sides mean to me. You know, club football and international, I've, I hold them both in such high regard in terms of Watford and, and Wales. And to have both sort of sides of my career acknowledged as well with the, the little boxes with the stats and things, which obviously weren't finished at that point because we had a, a couple more games to go. But just the the detail in it, the the images they used, it was just it just looks wicked. And my reaction probably didn't do it justice because I was just so taken aback by it. But don't mistake that for me not being impressed because I honestly I I sort of went back to the change room. I didn't have my phone on me, so I didn't know where we were going. And I went back to the changing room and said like called my husband. I was like, you'll never guess what. Like my face is on the wall in Vicarage Road. He was like, what do you mean? I said, I've got one. He said, I said, you know the guy that does all the murals. I said he's done one of me. He was like, no way. I said what the one that does all the ones that you see on social media. I said, yeah, the famous one. I said he's been and he's done done this mural. So it hadn't quite been finished at that point, had it? I think the face, a couple of the faces need a bit more colour and whatever. That it all been drawn, but just needed finishing off. So once it was done, I took the kids and, and my parents and my husband along to to sort of see it. You know, one Saturday afternoon, and yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like I'm so honoured, grateful for it. So yeah, big thank you. Basically, the, rea- the reaction that you had, I know you said it was like you kind of it was more shock, wasn't it? But that's quite mm-hmm. normal. Uh, you kind yeah. of get different different extremes from the different personalities that we've met over the years from from doing these reveals. But it was it was a great video of you coming round. But what I loved is it you came with your teammates. Obviously, you didn't yeah. know anything about it, but I thought that was so good to share that moment together and everyone jumping up and down. They were so genuinely happy for you. 
it was brilliant yeah that and, was uh, that was amazing because I, yeah. I don't think i think maybe one or two of them knew but only just found out because i asked megan who was the one that came into the room i said did you know she goes I literally found out just before that's why we had to go around there but as you said the reaction and it you know felt like genuine happiness from the girls because they again they all know how much Watford means to me as a club so to you know go from a, a a 10-year-old fan to then retiring from football and having that on the wall is is quite yeah. something so it was I'm glad that they were all with me to to share that moment to be honest it was good that everyone managed to to keep it secret all the, the few people that knew about it I actually did say to Justin I was it was only like a week before or something I think I was actually out having dinner with my family in Wildwood in Epping and I'm sitting mm. there and these two ladies turned up with their partners and some friends wearing the Watford tracksuit so I'm looking and going oh, right. got to be Watford women they've got to be Watford women players and one yeah. of them I, I remember specifically was Ali and I was looking over and I was like oh, should I go and introduce myself should I go and tell her what we're going to do and I'm, I, I held back and I thought they're eating dinner let's just leave them alone but I was very tempted to go and tell them what we're about to do for, for you yeah. but um, we, we kept it secret and I saw her, she was there part of, of the yeah. celebrations but no it was great because um, and I think that was a lovely nod because Watford actually created the design I didn't have too much normally we designed them but didn't have too much on the design on that we had a lot of tweaks to it so originally the design team at Watford come up with it and I thought it was brilliant to have the Watford and the wows two mm. images together but there was a lot going on and although it's a big wall it's not a giant wall and we like the bigger the better because it means that you can get more detail in it and the original design had your your wells portrait and your Watford portrait looking at each other as what is there but they were a lot smaller and there was loads of other images around it and it was just oh my god this is gonna take forever and this is so hard yeah. to do and in the end we made a compromise where we got them a bit bigger and we put two of the smaller images in there but one image where it's so small it was really tricky to do just because of the size of it and I think the image we're working off the reference but for me it got the emotion of it and it's it's the two big portraits that are the ones that kind of really sort of set the story yeah. really and obviously you mentioned we had to we had to leave the stats off because um that was still changing you were still playing and yeah. didn't know what was going to happen so we had to go back there it's all been done now so we sent johnny back there and he put the stats up there a couple of weeks ago so yeah. it's all done. probably when you went there it was all done right with your family yeah when i took the the kids and the family over it was it was all finished so no it's it's, it's wicked honestly i'm so grateful for it you know i think there's been a fan on social media that does think that a female player should have their picture up there but generally speaking the response has been amazing and I've had some amazing messages not from just Watford fans but from people in women's football saying how you know it's it's not the norm for football clubs to do that for their female players so you know a big sort of hat tip to to not only you guys but the guys at Watford for for putting it out there and putting it on you know as you said and inside the wall of of the club stadium it's um yeah it's really special yeah we, we were very happy to do it as I said we were delighted to do it but ultimately it's Watford and the credit goes to them mm -hmm. and they're always trying to find clever ways that, that the team that they've got there coming up with good ways to to pay tribute to legends of past and present and I think this was a really good way of doing it and I think you're right it's, there's there's not many clubs that have done this before for the women's game and I think that this will probably set a trend to do that because obviously clubs are looking to try and promote their their women's teams yeah. not, I wouldn't say equally because it's a little way off that but it's getting there it's it's they're really pushing it yeah, yeah um, sure. and England rugby because we do a lot of stuff for England rugby but I would say that England rugby definitely set in the way because they promote the red roses we had Shauna Brown on here a friend of us uh, came on here and uh, she agreed that they've they've been pushing the men's rugby and the women's rugby on the same level for a time and mm. 
it's really starting to to show now. The results are getting there, and the fan base is growing, and and kids, young girls, probably wouldn't have dreamed of getting involved in rugby and now doing it. And I think that's definitely mm-hmm. happening in football with women's football now. I mean, my my daughter's ten year old. It's so hard to get her into a team now because. The teams yeah. are just full up. They've got such big squads. The team that she trains with, they've got like nearly 30 kids for one one team. So it's just absolutely incredible how the women's game's growing. And it's people like yourself, Helen, that are obviously pushing that forward and taking it to another level. I Thank know you. which fan that was that wasn't happy about it, but you dealt with that superbly well on Twitter, I have to say. <laughs> what was the message? What was what was said? Basically, he basically just didn't think I was a legend of the club because I'm, I play for the women's team and I don't play enough games at Vicarage Road to warrant it and it's a, it, I'm not offended by it by any means I didn't block him because I'm offended I blocked him so I was just bored of what he had to say to be honest <laughs> what was brilliant though was I think his his line was you've only played a few games there and shouldn't be put on um, yeah. Vicarage Road and, and- no the best, the best bit was that I, I could go shopping in London and not be harassed and recognised yes but he said that Anne Swanson, who is, of course, a legend of the club, and she has her name on the stand, and rightfully so, for what she's done for the, for the team. And he compared me to her, saying that she he, he understood that, and that was fine. And I said, but I don't think she gets recognised when she goes shopping in London. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm talking about players. And yeah. he, sort of, he got his wires a bit crossed. And yeah. I found it quite entertaining for a bit, and then I got bored, so I blocked him. <laughs> this ties back, though, to Merwolves, in a way, Mark. Because Andrew French... Has he been moaning about our artwork? No, 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 no. But Andrew French just came back. He's the Watford Observer journalist. I know, Andrew, yeah. He came back with a zinger. This person put, you know, Helen's only played there five times and uh, has, or have her many times, and she's got a mural. And he put, Elton John's only played there three times and he's got two. And I thought that was absolutely (laughs) superb. Absolutely super. Yeah, so I know I know of whom you speak, and um, yeah, he's quite controversial. But the the thing is, uh, that was the best thing that happened at Watford last year. Last year, I mean, the, the men's team were yeah. terrible. I mean, it was just absolutely appalling to watch. As someone who's been going for nearly forty years, I thought that was one of the worst seasons I've ever seen, and the season before was pretty poor as well. So for the for the, for the women's team to do as well as they did was absolutely amazing. It was the highlight of being a Watford fan last year for sure. And what's also nice as well is that you after after a match you, you're coming up and you're taking as much time as it takes to meet everybody that wants to be met, giving away your kit, giving your boots away, your shirts away. Yeah, I'll take this, take that, have a photo, have an autograph, and that's pretty much the values of. Watford Football Club there that was kind of it was never quite that giveaway for the, for the men's team but it was always a let's meet the fans let's interact with the fans whereas I think the men now are very separate from the fans but is it who, whose decision is it for the for the women to sort of be all encompassing and meet everybody after a match is that is that a, a team decision does it come from higher up is it is it the manager who, no it's just it just sort of happens and it's not you know it's not just us at Watford a lot of women's teams do it I think because we were so used to playing in front of family and you know a couple of random people that wanted to come along and you don't get the big crowds and and obviously we're still not getting you know we're not filling Vicarage Road and and to think that the men could or should speak to every single fan on a match day would be unrealistic so we have a little bit more sort of the ability to do it because there's less people but I think we're just grateful for the support we feel the energy that it's brought and we know we knew last year that we were kind of we were obviously having a good season and, and the men were having a tough time and you know if we could give people something to smile about and cheer about then we wanted to just show that we were grateful for that support and you know we felt it all season whether it was at the Vicarage Road games or 
or at Wealdstone, where we where we played most of our home games. But the numbers that turned out for the, the playoff final as well at MK Dons, we're just grateful for that. And, you know, we want people to keep coming back. I'm not saying that, that you're going to get a pair of boots or a shirt every time you come along. It's not realistic. But, <laughs> you know, if we can do a little bit to help, then, then we're going to do that because we were in that position ourselves once upon a time, fans of the game, whether it's a men's team or a women's team. We know what it means to kids to, to have a little chat or conversation with with someone that they they potentially look up to and it's just a nice moment and and when you're winning obviously things like that are super easy but but we try to do it even throughout the championship season we'd stay out there and sign autographs because we appreciate the fact that people have taken the time to come along a lot of them may be trying something different and come into a women's game and we want to encourage them to come back and if we can be as friendly and accommodating as as we can then then maybe that helps get get them back in the door for the next game I think tellingly though you did that after the game where you got relegated as well so you still took the time to yeah. go and see people and, and talk to them and sign autographs I mean it's just a, a, it's just a lovely thing to happen it really is it's, it's genuinely touching and if you look on social media there's always pictures of people going oh you know I've had a picture with Helen or with Ali or with Gemma or whoever else and you know there's not many pictures of people with Christian Cavaselli or Daniel Backman anymore it's all the women's team so it's it's a really nice touch I think yeah and I I hope women's football doesn't lose that I know there will come a point when you are filling stadiums and you you can't possibly get round, round to everyone but I hope that element still stays within the game as much as it can because it is what makes it a little bit different and a little bit I don't know more fan friendly perhaps in some ways and and especially for youngsters who a lot of the time are coming to their first games um it's nice to make them feel like they're part of it and not just there to spectate and be separate that you know they're part of our team they they help us get over the line and they help us in big moments so it's just a way of sort of showing our thanks back to them I hadn't been to a, a women's match ever before this season but I went to a couple at Wealdstone that girl in the middle is it uh, Dre Georgiou is that is that her name she goes yeah. for everything didn't she she gets stuck in yeah, there she's a character. She, wow she does she but she you know we we take the mickey out of her for the amount of yellow cards she gets but she does it because she's putting herself on the line for the team and yeah. you got to give her credit for that she knows she's going to be fighting your battles if if i get beaten in a challenge up front i know that the next line of defense is her and she's gonna she's gonna do everything she can to stop them getting past and sometimes it's a little bit over the mark but she's passionate she cares and that's all you can ask for is someone that cares about what they're doing and the job they're doing for their team but yeah she's fiery but she's a she's a good girl she's funny she, she can is. take a bit of stick so yeah and the other thing yeah. as well was the the I think it was the first corner of the match in the game against Forest swung in lovely and went in and I'm thinking if only the men could beat the first man with a corner <laughs> the way that Gemma swung that one in yeah she's class different class she's been brilliant for us the things that she's won everything in the game she doesn't have to be coming and playing for Watford but she she's got a passion for helping the younger generation she's still obviously got a lot to give on the pitch in terms of her football ability but she's been superb for us and yeah a big reason as to why we had the success we did not just because of what she does on the pitch but what she offers us in terms of experience off of it as well and, and she's a top girl and I think I don't think there's anyone that's got a bad word to say about her at the club Hi I'm David Fairglove and you're listening to the Sayers and Sprayers podcast So is there anybody that you think we should be um, adding to the stadium in terms of murals Helen? I know Troy you've got him in the subway haven't you? Yeah yeah, there is Troy in the subway I think he should have one at the ground if I'm honest I, I believe that there's room for a big Troy one at some yeah. point but I, I think, think the, the, the timing Jeff- needs to be right for that yeah because obviously he's still playing isn't he in the championship mm-hmm. I believe he's, he's continuing next season for Birmingham and I guess while players still coming up against your team Yeah you can't really yeah. have a mural of someone on the opposition can you? But- no I, I think, don't think so. so. No. I think what he did for the club in that 
period. Yes, he had his times, obviously, that he needed help from the club as well. Helen, I was going to say, so that's obviously for club, but what about for country? Is there kind of women's legends? Oh, yeah, um, obviously got, for the men's game, yeah, you've got, you got loads. Yeah. Ian, Rush, Ian Rush has been done for Liverpool, but not for club. And, and Gareth Bell, obviously, is, is one that you'd make an obvious one. But what about for the women? Jess Fishlock and Sophie Ingle, probably the two standouts. So Jess was the first male or female to reach 100 caps. She's on 140-something now. She's from um, Clan Rumney, I think, um, but she's been living in America for 10, 12 years. She plays for Seattle or OL Reign, they're called now. Um, but she's, yeah, she's the icon of Welsh football. And then Sophie, she's the captain, plays for Chelsea. So they're the two that, she's from Barry. So something in, in Barry, Barry Island, big one on the wall there would be unreal. Well, we've, we've spoken to Barry Island Council, but that was for Gavin Stacey. Sophie Ingle, get her on the wall and Barry. Okay. <laughs> Gavin Stacey yeah. and Sophie. Yeah, and Sophie Ingle, yeah. Obviously, we didn't really get to learn what, where, how Helen got into football because I think that's really important for young girls coming through now. It's very different. It's a lot easier. Yeah, I'm interested to know, Helen, how did you start football? Like, was you just everyone playing it? Was your family into it? Uh, my older brother, basically, he um, he played for his school and for local teams. So I used to follow him around. My mum and dad, both sporty. My mum played netball and hockey every weekend. My dad was, he played hockey, cricket, golf. So I was always involved in sport and sort of watching all my family members play. And then used to kick a ball around in the garden with, with my brother. He went to secondary school and found an advert for Watford asking for players, sort of youth team players. And he said, go along. And that was kind of it. I went along to Watford as a eight or nine year old and never looked back. But it was, again, like you said, I played played for the school team, but it wasn't a big thing to have girls teams. I didn't really know much about girls teams until I was in one. Not many of my friends played football. I was lucky that, you know, there was no Mickey taking or anything like that. I think because I played for the school in the boys team and they, they knew that I was all right and I could play. Um, they all supported me. My teachers, one of them, he's passed away now, Mr. Buxton, Chris Buxton. He was big because he was the only male teacher in the school. He could easily have said, no, we don't want girls playing, but he was well behind it and, and keen on it. So I had people around me, both at home and at school that allowed me to play and, and enjoy it and I think I said earlier in the podcast I just played for fun because I loved it and sort of went along for the ride you know no envision no visions of where it might take me um, but obviously grateful for for how things did go in the end but yeah just this, this sort of standard older brother story really that I think a lot of women of my generation similar sort of route into football. And God bless Mr. Buxton. That's a, that's a great yeah, story. Yeah. Just like, you know, like you said, it could have easily not have encouraged it. And obviously to be doing that when other people weren't doing it, that's that shows what a, a great thing he's done. So I'm sure mm. it's a little bit different these days. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I think definitely it's it's obviously the uh, the Euros that took place last year would have definitely helped girls show an interest in football. I mean, what was the kind of role models for you as, as you were growing up? Were there any sort of women footballers that you looked looked up to or was it sort of a case of there really wasn't any no I didn't know of any right the first one I probably heard of and that was when I was a bit older was someone like maybe Rachel Yankee or Kelly Smith who obviously were doing a lot for England and, and Arsenal at the time um but as a real young kid no one I, I sort of looked up to athletes like Sally Gunnell or Denise Lewis those sorts of people that were doing things in the Olympics because you didn't really see too much of women's sport in general other than the Olympics I was I was obsessed with the Olympics and everything around it wanted to be like a hundred meter runner or something like that never never quite quick enough for that of course but <laughs> they were the people that my idols but in terms of football it was male players I used to like watching Michael Owen he was my favorite player um type of player that I, I wanted to be like so no no footballers in terms of females at all that I knew of so you are effectively then first generation 
to be looked up to now, which must be quite exciting, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, me and probably anyone sort of within sort of four or five years age gap either way. You know, I remember even when I was at Arsenal, we went to an away game, stopped at services on the way back and everybody knew who Rachel Yankee was. So that, yeah, that sort of anyone sort of 35 to 40 now, probably in that in that bracket of yeah, yeah. That, that generation of players that people look up to. Helen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for talking to us on the Say It and Spray It podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.